Hey everyone, husband here. And I'm wife. If you've been listening to us, then you know we're all about reading the Bible and reacting to it on our first read-through. Cuss words, crying, laughing, and more. We're passionate about creating a podcast that takes the sanctity out of the sacred text and simply stating it as we see it. But we can't do it without your help. We're asking for your support to help us keep this podcast going. There are two ways you can donate. Text SACDIS, that's S-A-C-D-I-S, to 53. 555 if you're in the U.S. with a one-time donation. Any amount helps. Or if you'd rather start a sustaining membership, sign up on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse. Membership levels start as low as $2 a month. We are amazed and grateful for our fans that support us now, and you can become one too. With your support, we can keep sacrilegious discourse alive and well for years to come. So please donate today. Text SACDIS to 53555 if you're in the U.S. Or sign up for our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Sacrilegious Discourse. I'm husband. And I'm wife. Together we're reading the Bible for the very first time. We grew up without religion and wanted to know what all the fuss was about. Well, what have we learned so far? That God is a dick, and apparently some people believe in talking donkeys? We're not trying to pass ourselves off as experts. Nope, we're just reading the Bible for the first time and giving our first take reaction. If you'd like to join us in this venture, you might consider starting at episode one. Otherwise, jump in wherever you like. Alright, let's go read the Bible. Yeah, let's get to it. Husband! Wife! Do you know what today is? Uh, well, it's Saturday. It sure as fuck is, and we're doing Q&A Saturday. That's right, and what are we going over today? Um, we're going to go over Job chapters 21 through 25. Is that all you got to say? That's all I got to say. Okay, well then let's, uh, let's go say some more after the break. Okay. Okay, so 
We are doing a Q&A covering chapters one, 21 through 25 of Joe. Right. And um, there wasn't really a lot to say about it Go beyond um, we weren't always sure that we were reading it correctly or understanding it correctly, even okay. though it was kind of obvious. Some of it was obvious and some of it was like, what the fuck? Right. But they're being so long-winded about it. And yeah. Just like, blah, 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 blah. So I thought instead of doing one of our other rabbit holes okay. that we had listed, um, that I would kind of go over, make sure that we're following correctly. Yeah. And do basically like a little summary of each chapter. And I do have something to say about one of the chapters that is a fun Q&A thing. Oh, okay. okay. So there's so, at least one fun thing in here. Yes. Okay. There's at least one fun thing. That's great. So okay. t- stay tuned for the fun thing at least. Yes. And I'll, I'll let you know the fun <laughs> thing when we get to it. Okay? Okay. Okay. So chapter 21 contains Job's last speech in the second cycle of the debate that he has with his friends. Oh. Remember I told you when we first started Job that um, the chapters can be... Um, Broken down, broken into down into sections right. called rounds. Yeah. So um, chapter 21 is the last speech that Job gives in the second round. Okay. okay. Yeah. And it's the only speech in which Job confines all of his remarks clearly to his friends. Got it. Like so, Oh, not, and that makes sense because he started talking to God somewhat. That, yeah. But that was in the next chapter. Yeah. 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 No, like, I, I, there was I, there were two chapters. Um, normally it was just like one chapter of Job, one chapter of one of his friends, right? Right. right. But 21 and 22, I believe, are both Job. Like right. 22 is a continuation of 21. But he switches his tactic up. But it, that's in the next chapter. So in this chapter, he it's the only chapter where he's only talking to his friends. Got it. Okay? Got it. Yeah. And um, in the first part, verses 1 through 6 of chapter 21, Job pleads with his friends to change their attitude. Okay, He opens his speech with a plea for his friends to actually listen instead of mock him. Yeah. And he knows that his complaint is with God, not with any human beings. And therefore, he hopes that his friends will be his allies. But right. they instead add to Job's trauma by accusing him. Fucking dicks. Right. Which... Um, I think maybe is part of like Satan's doing. Like, I think that's part of the deal that he made with God. Like, another way he's fucking with Job. Sure. Is turning his friends against him. Right, right. Literally leaving him out high and dry. Yeah. Completely. But I didn't really like get that as we were reading through that that was one of the things that Satan was specifically. Right. I don't think that was stated as one of the things that went bad. It just is one of the things that is bad. Right, exactly. So, I mean, and and it's very clear that this is not normal because. Moreover, his wife was the same way. Yeah, only they just didn't touch on it that long. So. Exactly, but everybody's turning. He's he's completely alone. Right. Everybody's everybody that he loves and cares about, or respects, or admires, is either dead or completely turned against him. Yeah, and that's part of his suffering. Right. So. In the next part of chapter 21, verses 7 through 16, Job questions why the wicked prosper and why they are not always punished as the friends insisted. Right. And so he confronts the friends to match their neat imaginary world with reality. And he's like, y'all, hey, what about about XYZ? And then in the next part, verses 17 through 26, Job asks how often the wicked are punished. And... He points out the lack of connection between a person's righteousness and the fullness of that person's life. 
implying that divine retribution is not actually reflected in this world. Well, this is one of the things that bothered me because mm-hmm. I remembered reading that when we read the run, the last one, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And Job was saying something in the last one about how they get their punishment by dying. And and then the end, right? Yeah, like they're gonna. But but he, I he's think, saying the exact opposite in this chapter. Well, I think that we misunderstood it. I okay. think that he wasn't saying that um, they do get punished. I think he was saying they might as well not get punished because everybody dies. Like oh. that's that's what we were saying, and I think that we misunderstood it because okay. he's making that same. Um, ooh, Oops, you did not me. silence was, your alerts. Yeah. You were a bad. Um, he did not, um, he did, oh, I lost my train of thought. Stupid <laughs> alert. So he was basically saying in this part, as well as in the part that we discussed, um, everybody dies at the end. So that's like the punishment that we all get. That's not right. just the evil that get that. So it's kind of not fair. Sure. So, yeah, I think we got that one wrong. Okay. All right. Um, which. That's fair enough. Um, let's see. I'm playing with the other. Okay. In the next section, um, verses 27 through 34, Job remarks the failure of the friends' rebuttals. And he closes the second round of debate with them by pointing out the insubstantiality of his friend's comfort. So he's like, y'all are wrong and you're not comforting me and this is bullshit. Right. Yeah. So, no, they're not that, good friends. They're not. They're not. And, and again, that and- may be by design. Right. And so. he, honestly, even if Job is kind of a shitty person, he has every right to be pissed at his friends. Because mm-hmm. if you're his friends, you already knew he was kind of a shitty person. No. He's in, not, according to God and according to this book, he's not. Right. But, you know, even they're if supposed was. to be your friends. Okay. Now, I have something to say about that. As I was doing this research, a lot of times it didn't refer to them as his friends. It referred to them as the friends, meaning... They were friends with each other. Oh. Not necessarily Job's friends. They were just three friends. Well, then they can really piss off. Exactly. Now, <laughs> I don't I don't know how true that is, but it struck me the way that the um, researcher was, the research that I was doing was written, that it, it makes me wonder if maybe we got that wrong too, that they weren't Job's friends. They were just some friends that were like trying to talk Job into coming back around to, to God or whatever. Well, and that's, that's one of the things that is really hard about the Bible is that mm-hmm. there are so many interpretations, um, even with the words that are there now, mm-hmm. that with all the, the interpretations that have been mishandled over time and even to this day, it's almost impossible to know exactly what was supposed to be, quote-unquote, in that book. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yep. So... Um, in the next chapter, chapter 22, yeah. Eliphaz starts off the third and final round. Okay. okay. Yep. So this round can be seen as incomplete because there is no speech from Zophar in this round. Oh. Okay. And the speech by Bildad is very short. As we recall, it's only six verses long. Right. Okay. And I'll yeah. get more into that when Bildad comes up. Okay. Okay. Yep. So in the first part of chapter 22, verses 1 through 11, um, we he discusses Job's offenses. Right. Okay. So Eliphaz opens his speech with a gentle tone, but he soon attacks Job, followed by a string of accusations. Well, but they weren't even specific accusations at things Job did. Right. He just is assuming, He's based like, on what I was hearing. Obviously, you're evil. Obviously, you're a son of a bitch. Right. And obviously, and here's you're the bad. things you must have done. Right. 
So Eliphaz asserts that God does not punish Job, Job because he is righteous, but because he must be unrighteous. Right. So he, yeah, I mean, that just goes along with what you said. He's just like, obviously you're bad. And and I think I commented on this at the time. There is some of this thought process in Christians of today. Mm-hmm. They assume that if something bad is happening to you, you must deserve it. Obviously. It's just a weird way to think about people and their downfall and mm-hmm. like wow you just assume that this god is punishing people right and there is no redeeming them because they are bad in god's eyes well i mean on a larger grand scale they say that all of these school shootings are because we've taken prayer out of school right right and that's no they, clearly they, the the wrong. Empa- like they they completely do away with empathy and lay it all on god mm-hmm. like you can't even have empathy for people because you just automatically assume that it's God's fault. No, it's not God's fault. That it's their fault for going against God. Mm-hmm. So people that are religious, in my opinion, have so much less empathy yes. than people who aren't because their default position is that they are assuming that that person was bad and wrong. Right. Like, that's your karma. You got what you deserve. Right. And yeah. I just can't imagine living my life like that, thinking that everybody that was... Down on their luck is is an evil and bad purpose person. Right. Like that's that's such shit. It is. It really is. And I don't get it either. Yeah. But it's a very convenient way of thinking. Sure. You don't have to, you know, worry about anything. Right. It, great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So the next section, chapter, or I'm sorry, yeah, chapter 22, verses 12 through 20, um, he talks about God's knowledge and power. So Eliphaz describes God's majesty to counter what he perceived as Job's claim of God as having limited knowledge and an inability to see through deep darkness, rendering God unable to judge properly. Hmm. So um, I don't know if you recall, but Job was like laying it on and he was like saying, you know, he's not doing this correctly. He clearly doesn't see that I'm an upstanding, like blameless, like I don't Right. I don't see how he could. Yeah. And Eliphaz is like, excuse you. Right, right. And so he's, you know, going off on Job about that. And I think I I mentioned this too. Like there's so many things that are hard to um, deal with in this this book because technically, you know, these guys are sitting there listening to Job basically tell them that God is wrong. Yeah. Right. And so from their perspective, based on what they've been taught, yeah, they, they're in the right to say, oh, no, Job. Right. You can't do that. And even be offended by it, probably. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I, I get, in the context of the story, I get that reaction. Mm-hmm. But it's still, like, it, I, I feel like this is where Christians in general or, or religious people in general should say, you know, and I, I like the Christians sometimes that are like, it's not up to me to judge. You know, I'm not, and, and if they truly believe it and live it, mm-hmm. then they're usually accepting of most people and they, they do, they are empathetic and they are, you know, like they still have the good traits of good people. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you're not that person, you are a, that you're, you're the, one of those horrible Christians yeah. that judges people and mm-hmm. assumes that they are correct because God. Exactly. I, I just, I fucking hate that mentality. It's just so closed yeah it's it's closed off and it's convenient and it's lazy right in the next section of chapter 22 
um, verses 21 through 30, he urges Job to repent. So Eliphaz outlines the ways for Job to return to God. Yeah. And his tidy analysis and advice are unfortunately based on a misdiagnosis of Job's situation, as right. we pointed out. Yeah. I mean, he's he's got it wrong. He's he does. like, you've done wrong. Here's what you need to do. And the reader knows you are an arrogant fool, Eliphaz. And Job knows it, but he doesn't know why. Right. And that's the frustrating part. Sure. Because we as readers want to tell Job, no, no, you're you're right. You're right. And here's why. Here's what God is allowing to happen to you. Yeah. Again, I have questions. The the whole thing just brings up so many fucking questions. Oh, yeah, definitely. But. And and what I just said is from um, the perspective of if I'm reading this as a student, not as just somebody outside yeah. just reading it and going, what the no, fuck? No, and we, we play, quote unquote, devil's advocate a lot in this podcast mm-hmm. just to... You know, play the game and try to figure out what the meaning is behind some of this stuff. So, well, because it's easy, it's easy to just read it and go stupid, 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 stupid. That right. would be just as lazy as a Christian going evil, 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 mm. evil. To be fair, we do do that sometimes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not saying that we don't, but I like to think that we add more to it by trying to understand. Where these people are coming from? Why do they think that? Why did they do that? Like, right. I mean, I, I honestly want to. I mean, I want to question the Bible in a in a way that makes sense um, to to not just me but to other people. Like, yeah. I want people to get something from the questions that I'm asking. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm making fun of it, I feel like the questions that I'm asking are legitimate. Are legitimate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even toward that end, we have empathy to use that word again. Yeah. For Um, Job's friends or the friends, whatever. Sure. For them thinking what they think. Because in that context, Mm -hmm. it's hard to, it's hard to, to believe what's going on. Yeah. Like as their friends, it's hard if they believe in God and if God were real, Mm -hmm. it's hard to believe that this is what is actually happening. Sure. Um, Toward that end, we can look at um, Fox News watching motherfuckers and have (laughs) empathy like, even as we hate them and don't make excuses for them, we can have empathy and be like, I totally see how they turned out that way. They've been brainwashed. Why wouldn't yeah. they think what they're thinking? No, Why it's... wouldn't they be scared? Why wouldn't they want to shoot people? No, I think that's the important. You ha- you have to be able to look at things from outside of your, your little corner of the world. You mm-hmm. know, you have to be able to step outside of yourself and see why this is happening versus just that it is happening. Sure. You know? Sure. So. You can hate something but still understand the context of it right right so one doesn't like preclude the other yeah so moving on to chapter 23 in response to eliphaz job starts by speaking to god indirectly as third person right although it is spoken toward his friends before he addresses eliphaz directly in chapter 24 okay and um he when he does that he addresses eliphaz on the issues raised in chapter 22 got it okay yeah so um, the first part of chapter 23, verses 1 through 7, um, he ponders litigation against God. Um, Job revisits the possibility of legal action to get vindication. Like right. He's trying to like be very methodical in his thinking. He's like laying out his case yeah. and saying, you know, if I could just lay this case out before God, yeah. I'm sure everything would come straight and even and everything would make sense. Right, right. He does not intend to achieve victory in the case. 
but his ultimate goal is just to prove how righteous God's judgment is. So and I didn't get this when we were reading it. He's saying, I don't want to make sense to God. I want God to make it make sense to me. Okay. So if I could just present this, then God would see it and be like, oh, I see why you think that and break it down and explain it back to me. I'm be, Being that Job is... A righteous, a, a righteous man, mm-hmm. a godly man. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not how I read it exactly. No, but... I didn't read it that way either, but that's the research that I saw read it that way. And so yeah. I thought that was something to bring to this. No, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. And Job is very confident because he believes in God and because he trusts and loves God, he is very confident that God will treat him justly as an impartial judge. Right. So, I mean, it, it hasn't even entered his head for a minute that... He's being, according to this research, again, that's not the way I read it, but according to this research I did, he's not um, being treated unjustly. Job just doesn't understand The why. reasons, right. Yeah. Okay. And he he's like, I do Boy, demand. when he finds out. Oh, if he, if finds, he finds out. Yeah, I have no idea. I'd be fucking pissed. I would be pissed too. I would be like, and all your credibility is shot. <laughs> right, yeah. No grace from me, my good sir. Yeah, yeah. Um, In the next section, verses 8 through 17, um, we go through his search for a terrifying God. He describes his search framed by the absence and then the presence of God. He believes God knows all of Job's ways and will complete the purpose of Job's life. Okay. And Job Job acknowledges, I had a really hard time with that, (laughs) how terrified he would feel if he could finally achieve his wish of being in the presence of God. So he testifies that he is both longing and afraid of God. Right. Which makes sense. I mean, yeah. he's like, I I totally want to see this motherfucker. But do I, though? I mean, that's pretty fucking scary. Well, I mean, you believe that he did this to your, like, this is, the things that are happening to you are because of God. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I definitely said this earlier, but mm-hmm. like, if these things happen to me, mm-hmm. I'm going to be scared of whoever did that to me. Right. You know, like, yeah. that's a terrifying motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, for now, you're still believing in his goodness. Right, right. So, ooh. And you haven't met him before, so right. you should be scared, probably. I think so. Based on some of the things I've seen him do, <laughs> I would be fucking terrified if I thought he was real. The arbitrary bullshit God has pulled. Right. So, moving on to chapter 24. In the first part, verses 1 through 12, um, he reflects on oppression. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, Job... This is where he addresses the issue of the oppression of the poor that Eliphaz had raised in chapter 22. Okay. Okay. He asks about the times when the wicked are allowed to oppress and prosper without punishment. And then he gives a bunch of ample evidence to prove his case. Right. And I I did not list all those because we read them at the time and we're like, I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Job concurs with Eliphaz that oppression exists but questions why God does not act in judgment against the oppressors while listing the kind of actions and attitudes that Job regards as morally reprehensible. Right. So he's like, I agree with you that these things are there, but why is my question. Yeah. And it's not right. Right. You know, the case that you're laying before me is X, Y, and Z. And I'm telling you that X, Y, and Z do not make your argument. Right. Like, I don't think that means what you think it means kind of thing. (laughs) So in the next section, um, verses 13 through 17, um, 
he talks about serious wrongdoing going on in the world. Yeah. Okay. It's the more serious wrongdoings like murder, adultery, and stealing in the same order of appearance as the Ten Commandments, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And the key image here in this section is darkness and light with a key implication that those who choose the paths of darkness are not caught or held to account. Right. Whereas God's light should expose them. Should being the key phrase. Right, right. Yeah. I, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. No, um, I, it's a hang up I've got. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So the next section is verses 18 through 20. The fate of the wicked. Job knows that the wicked would be swallowed by Sheol or death so suddenly and completely that they would be utterly forgotten as if they never existed. Yeah, I remember them going over that. We, mm-hmm. were, we were discussing how essentially everyone gets forgotten. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but so. he's saying that only the evil and wicked do and that the good will be remembered by their ancestors or by their uh, descendants. That's bullshit. Now, I mean... Like, yes, okay, we still know about, hypothetically, if Job was a real person, we still know about Job, right? Mm-hmm. But that's, even even if he was a, even if he was or is or could have been a real person, mm-hmm. the fact that we know about him is not anything but a history's fluke. Okay, I'm going to push back on that just a little bit. I don't think he's talking about being remembered by history or by the world. Okay. He specifically... I think talking about being remembered by his children, his children's children, his descendants to come like like a family thing. And sure. they did remember their descendants. You That's know what I true. mean? That's true. They wrote them they wrote they down the names and they like names. It was very important to them. It was. So it was. That's what he's but, saying. Removed from the record. But so let's, let's say you get two generations beyond where you after you die, right? Mhm. They might remember your name. They might know a story or two if you mm-hmm. had some story to tell, but they don't know you. No. They don't remember but, you. But his point is that your name will be among those that we say out loud. Say out loud. Yeah. That and that that's okay. not important to me and you. Well, obviously we don't give a shit. We'll be dead, right? Right, yeah. But it was important to them. So to have their name erased like that meant something. Right. You know what I mean? It Well, I feel like that's something that's important to a lot of people. Yeah. And I've I've dealt with that in my like I I went through a in my 20s, I went through a thing where I felt like I wanted to redefine myself and reevaluate myself, you know? Mm-hmm. And um part of that was was coming to grips with what death is and what your life is in general. Who do you want to be as a person? Who do I want to be as a person? And I, you know, personally, I wanted to choose to be a good person that did things that I believe in, you know, like that's mm-hmm. who I wanted to be, who I want to be. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I also decided that it has no bearing on my legacy. Like my legacy, I don't give a shit about my legacy. Mm-hmm. My, no one's going to remember me for opening a door for an old lady, right? right. No one's going to remember me for, Doing a small deed that is good for somebody else. But those are the things that I want to do. Those are the things that I feel good about myself for doing because mm-hmm. I helped another person have their day be a little bit easier, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, even like going to protest. I don't want to be the person running it, but I, I involved myself and did something to further a cause that I believe in. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting stories to be told about it. I'm not expecting to be some famous person for it. But 
it is something I chose to do and wanted to do. I don't I, know where I was going with no, all that. No, I, I, mean, I get I what just, you're saying. You want to be a good person regardless of what your legacy is. And that makes total sense. But um, they were very concerned with their legacy. Yeah. Because, you know, they they had the punishment upon them passed down to future de- generations. So it the line went forward and backward. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and that's why it would have been a, a very big threat to them. You to don't say, want those grandkids, great, 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 great grandkids, seven generations from now cursing your name because you fucked up. Right. I mean, that mattered. Right. So to have their name completely erased, that was a, a big punishment. Right. You know? Yep. Like, it would be, here's a very small, silly equivalence, okay? Sure. My mom would ground me to my room if I misbehaved. I didn't give two shits if I got grounded to my room because I would just lay in my bed and read. Right. Now, eventually, which I'm a big reader. That's how I pass my time. That's what I do. I love books. I love the written word. Right. Et cetera. Okay. When my mom finally caught on that I didn't give a shit about being grounded to my room, (laughs) she grounded me from my books. Right. Which was a... a that was huge to me. Right. To somebody else who's not a reader, to my sister, for example, my sister wanted to play with toys. Yeah. So grounding my sister from books, that would not be a good threat because who gives a shit? Right, right. So that's that's what I'm trying to say. Like, the fact that that these people felt that having their name remembered was big, it doesn't matter to us, but that doesn't make it any less important sure. to them. Yeah. No, I get it. Okay. So moving on, the next section um, of chapter 24, verses 18 through 20, um, the fate of the wicked. Okay. Okay. Yep. Job knows that the wicked would... Oh, we just read that. I'm sorry. (laughs) They'd be swallowed and forgotten. Yeah. Got it. Okay. The next one is verses 21 through 24, the prospering of the wicked. However, before that happens, before their names get forgotten, God seems to preserve and prolong the lives of such wicked who wrongfully treat childless women and widows and even seem God even seems to give them security and protection. Yeah. And Job challenges his friends to prove him wrong about the examples he has given. Right. Which I I didn't pick up on that. But he's like sitting at his, you know, lemonade table stand and has a sign out said uh, out front that says prove me wrong. Right, right. Like I didn't pick up on that, but he does. And then um, the next section is chapter or verses 24 and 20. Let me try that one more time. The next section of chapter 24 is verse 25. A final challenge to the friends. Okay. Okay. Job dares his friends to disprove his argument that there is observable injustice in the world, but God will eventually balance the scales of justice. And significantly of note None of the three friends takes up Job's challenge. <laughs> None of them argues with him on that point. Well, it's probably fairly can't. obvious. You yeah, know, so. yeah. So I I didn't catch that the first time around that he made the challenge. More more so, even did I did not catch that they didn't even pick up his challenge either. Right, right. So the next chapter, chapter twenty five. This one is Bildad, and this is the one that is only six verses. And this is where we reach the fun bit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It only has six verses, but it is not the shortest chapter in the Bible. Well, that's okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
consisting of only two verses, Palms, Palms, I'm so sorry, Psalm, Psalm. 117, shut up, is the shortest psalm and also the shortest chapter in the whole Bible. Wow. Two verses. Wow. Okay. We'll have to figure, that's going to be a short. uh, uh, We're going to have to come up with a different system for psalms, which I have said before. Because a lot of them are only like Might a little paragraph. start doing paragraph. like three or four at a time or something like I'm that. I'm thinking probably three at a time. Right. Just yeah. to not have short, stupid episodes. Yeah, right. So I, I'm not sure what we're going to do with Psalms. And they're not stories. I right. Think so we like might have to each... like, we might even have to build in like our Q&As into those episodes too. Yeah. Just yeah. to like, you know. Talk about each one. Because they, they don't talk about a cohesive story each one is just like a prayer or like a he is so great or (laughs) you know whatever yeah so we're just gonna have to change it up sure okay yeah so um after that two verses the next shortest one which i don't even recall this was esther chapter 10 okay had three verses oh wow i don't remember that do you no okay the next one also with three verses are several psalms I won't read yeah, out the yeah, numbers because sure. who cares? And then um, with four verses or five verses are more Psalms. And then there's a chapter in Jeremiah, another chapter in Hosea, which each have five verses. Okay. Okay. And then Job chapter 25 and several Psalms have six verses. Got it. So we were so like blown away by this as only having six verses. Yeah. It does not stand alone. It's not even impressive. Got it. Got and it. we've already passed one before yeah, this right. that was or like shorter. the second to the shortest. Right, right. So I, I kind of feel like, oh, my bad. <laughs> Nothing. It's kind of like if you like hit a big pothole and then you're like. Maybe it was like more of a run on sentence or something. Yes. I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, as I was saying, it's kind of like if you like hit a huge pothole and it like fucks up your tire and you're like, that hole is so deep. And then you go see the Grand Canyon and you're like, oh, that right. hole was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Here we are in chapter 25. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Clearly, Bildad has little to say and yeah. he runs out of steam before he and the other two friends, Eliphaz and Zophar, Trail off into silence. Okay. okay. Yep. So they're done talking. The dialogue between Job and his three friends is practically over, with neither Job nor the friends getting closer in their positions to each other. Like, right. It, it's kind of like us yeah, no, talking was... to a Republican. Nobody's going to convince the other. Right, right. Like, it's kind of pointless almost. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Bildad's strong belief in the retribution theology, you know, you got what you deserved. Yeah. And if you are being punished as bad, whatever you did must have been equally bad. Right. Okay. That makes him believe that humans are worthless and contemptible before the transcendent God who establishes order and peace in heaven. Like, remember, he was like, humans suck. Right. Before God. Yeah. Yeah. Bildad misconstrues God as viewing humans with utter revulsion as just maggots and worms. Yeah. Remember? I do. And this speech adds little because it seems like a mechanical repetition of what Eliphaz already said in his first two speeches. That no one is righteous before God and that Job has accepted that he is a sinner, only that Job still questions his sufferings compared to other sinners. Right. So it's like... They they kind of have reached an impasse. Yeah, and but there's only so much you can say about this, right? Right. So. Like you don't even agree on the basic tenets, right? You, 
like if we were talking to a Republican at this point, like we don't even agree on what climate change is. Didn't we make some comment on the last either the last episode or the one before it? About how they're they're just stretching for word count at this point. It yes. feels like they're just like going on about the same shit over and over. And it's like it finally came to a head in Bill Dad, and he's like, "I just got this to say. Right, people right. suck. <laughs> That's all. Right. So that yeah. is the Q and A. That's what I brought to the table. I thought you were going to tell me when the the fun part was. Was it the? I did, oh. and I said this is the fun part. Oh man, I must have. Not really listen to that. You do apparently. blow me off quite a bit. I apologize. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Mm-hmm. So was that the short things? Yeah. The short things. Got mm-hmm. it. I thought that might have been it, but I did say. I'm and sure you did. I'm sure you did. Bit. I was okay. I'm I'm bad, I'm wrong. Uh, you know, I I, I fucked it up. Yeah, all that stuff. Okay. You're ugly. Yeah. No, whatever. Okay. You're like Job and wish you'd never been born? Uh no. No? No, I'm not. Too far. Too far. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that you were saying that was the uh, the Q and A. That's the Q and A. Um, I don't feel like we had a specific question, and I don't feel like I answered it other than our comment. No, that, but I that feel was like short. I learned a lot there. So. I did. I did learn a lot. I'm glad I did a summary. Yeah. No, that was that was that was good. I appreciated that. Yeah, me too. So All right. We're, Hopefully, we're you guys did too. Up. Oh yeah, I really hope that anybody else who was taking our interpretation <laughs> um, stuck around for this Q and A, so that you know there were places where I do think we got it wrong. Yeah, no, and that's why we do these now, because yep. we feel like this is very helpful for us to understand what we just read. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's, I actually think our Q&As are one of my favorite things we do now. I, do, I agree so. completely. Yeah. All right. Well, that was it for today. Um, tomorrow is Sunday, and we'll be back with a... Patreon. Right. I and need then... to come up with a jingle for that. Right? Yeah. I keep saying that. That's, that's like one of the only things we don't have a little jingle for. I need a jingle. Yeah. Jingle, jingle, I'll have to think jingle. about that. I'm the king of dingling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway. Right. right so, um, and then I'll be getting the weekly replay done uh, mm-hmm. also on Sunday. And then um, we'll be back on Monday with... Job, chapter 26. All right. We'll see you guys then. Yep. Bye. Hey, wife, I guess that's the end. But husband, that's just sad. It doesn't have to be. We are on lots of social media platforms like Twitter. Our handle there is sacrilegious underscore D. For D's nuts. Oh, my God. Stop doing that. Anyway, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. There's a link to all of our social media sites at our website. Oh, we have a website? Yeah, it's sacrilegiousdiscourse.com, where you can also find a link to our merch shop. We have a merch shop? Yep. We have podcast-themed clothing, mugs, notebooks, and more, as well as an atheist and science-themed products. Wow, our fans should really go check that out right now. Definitely. They can get in touch with us by sending an email to sacrilegiousdiscourse at gmail.com. But before they do that, we could really use some help. Oh, yeah? With what? Well, it's not free running the podcast, and we need some financial support in order to get better equipment, which will free up time so we can concentrate on our podcast and our fans. Okay, so what should they do? Head over to patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse and sign up as a contributor on our podcast. Supporters there receive additional bi-weekly episodes that we record just for our Patreon members for as little as $2 a month. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using. And Apple Podcast Reviews help us out tremendously. Like and subscribe. Leave an Apple review. Join us on Twitter. Support us on Patreon. That's a lot of instructions. Don't forget to say thanks. Thanks. Okay, bye. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.